0: Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you, as people rejoice on the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this.
1: Matthew 1, uh, verse 18, uh, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with a child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. When Joseph woke up, he did, not, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he, and he gave him the name Jesus.
2: Good evening and Merry Christmas. Our final scripture comes from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to the, her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a major because there was no guest room available for them. Will you please pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, as we come to you this evening, we open up our hearts and our ears. As we come to this time in Christmas, we know that you sent you came down in the flesh not just to live, but to die for us and to love us so that we may live and worship and love you. We thank you for this time to gather with one another and to honor you and love you. And we thank you for the words that you've placed in Pastor Mike this evening, that we may be open to hearing them and live by them and know what you have to say. Thank you for this amazing worship time that we have spent this evening. And thank you for this amazing season of Advent that we have had. Please help us to go into this evening and go into this week and go into the rest of this year with an open heart and of love and kindness that we may be able, be able to do your work. We say this in all of your gracious and heavenly name. Amen. Merry,
3: Merry Christmas. Christmas. Well, it's really been a blessing to hear, you know, our youth band and of course Simon and uh, some of our 12th graders uh, read scriptures to, to us today and we're going to kind of um, finish off tonight with our, our candlelight service. We're glad that you've come, and I uh, want to remind you that uh, we have worship every single week here in, the, in this place, and, and uh, we invite you back. So the Christmas sermon goes like this. So I was about 11, you know, old enough for your parents to kind of leave you at home a little bit in the summer, not old enough to be real smart. And it was uh, summer in Iowa, so a water balloon b- fight broke out in the neighborhood, which was epic, you know? I mean, we were just going after it. Uh, we were really going, and, and probably after a half hour or something, we pretty much all ran out of ammunition. We all ran out of water balloons. So one of the guys, you know, he's an older guy, probably 14, you know? He said, uh, he had wisdom. He said, uh, let's run downtown and buy more, wa- more balloons, let's keep the fight going. And uh, I said, okay. At the time, I was a subcontractor for my brother on his paper route. So I had some cash, you know. Not enough cash, as it turned out, but I had some cash. So I ran upstairs, put some in my pocket, and back then, Marion still had a lot of good stores downtown. We rode our bikes from uh, down in South Marion down to the Ben Franklin 5 and 10 store, right there on 7th Ave. Went in there, did some quick water balloon shopping, and as I gazed around the various... Kinds of balloons they had, I realized I got 25 cents in my pocket, and the cheapest bag is 40 cents. I said, well, fellas, I'm not going to be able to be part of this anymore. And they said to me, uh, these are the older guys, you know, 13, 14s. They just kind of stood up behind me, and they said, just take it. I knew right away that was wrong. I knew that was the wrong thing to do, and they said, come on, man. Just take it. We don't want the, water, the fun to stop. So I grabbed that 40-cent pack of water balloons and stuffed it right inside my belt. And I freaked out for about five minutes while they bought theirs. And I'm sweating and thinking, I know, you know, like cameras probably hadn't even been invented back there. I'm kind of an older gentleman, as you know. Somebody was just writing down what we were doing at the time, Adam. You know, so it was right. You know, but, but I'm looking, thinking I'm for sure going to go to jail for a couple months or something like this. But I don't, you know, and I, uh, and, and like everybody got checked out and they were all grabbing their bikes and I stepped through that threshold to the five and dime and all of a sudden I hear this. Bum, bum. It's a car horn and the car is parked right in front of me. Right there. And it's a Marion High driver's education car and my dad is the Marion High School principal. And he says, what are you doing? I'm like, how does he know? Right, I'm thinking I'm completely done, I'm completely incarcerated, I'm, I'm just done. I'm like, I'm like, well, just having a water balloon fight. I'm sure I'm like sweating bullets. He says, I thought you had a trombone lesson right now. He didn't know anything about what was going on with me. He just knew I'd strayed from the neighborhood. I wasn't in the place I was supposed to be. But I know. I knew then. I know now. I was really, really wrong. I needed some Christmas. hold on to that thought. We've been walking through the last five weeks this series called Christmas is Questionable. And, And today's topic for Christmas is does anyone really need Christmas? Retail say they need it. Retail starts this season with Black Friday, right? They move from red ink to black ink because they have so many sales. They say, man, we need Christmas to get by. Those of us that have jobs, and that's most of us in here, We need a break. We want some time off. We love it. You know, Christmas comes, we get a few days or week or more away from our job. We need to get rest and decompressed and all that kind of stuff. We love those times. You know, Christmas gives us the opportunity to give family members and friends some gifts, you know, and we get to receive some things. We love that kind of stuff. And and we also get to be together. I mean, look at us tonight. So many of you uh, throughout the night have been, you know, out of town, people that have traveled to be with family. We love being together. But think about this for a minute. We don't need Christmas for any of those things, do we? I mean, we really don't need Christmas to go shopping. Ask Teresa, right? (laughs) We we don't really need Christmas to take some time off work. We don't really need Christmas to to give gifts to our friends or, or receive them back. And I know for a fact we don't need Christmas to get together with family, with friends. Cars, airplanes, buses run all the time. So the question, do we really need Christmas? I'm here to answer it this way. Yes, we all do. And I want to take you on a little bit of journey. I want us to journey in time past the nativity, past the travels of the wise men, Past the time when the shepherds leave their flocks out in the fields. Past the time when Mary is alerted to the fact that she's pregnant with the child of the Holy Spirit. Past the manger and even further back past the nativity. Our our need for Christmas as human beings begins way before Bethlehem. Way, way before it. Matter of fact, our need for Christmas starts on about page 3. In the scriptures. In Genesis 3, that, that's where our real need for Christmas is defined for us. Well, what, what does Genesis 3 have to do with Christmas? I'm sure those of you came and heard those readings and said, oh, Christmas. And then the pastor takes this run at Genesis 3. Like, what's that all about? Thank you for asking. Take a minute, flesh it out. So here in Genesis 3, what you have is Adam and Eve, which Represent all of us. There they are, humanity in the garden, in perfect unity with God. And God says to them, Made it all for you. Enjoy it. Love it. Embrace it. Stay in relationship with me. And just one caveat this is all for you to have fun, all for you to have lovely lives. Just one caveat. There is a a tree there in the middle. And I'm really going to command you not to take the fruit from it. Because it's not good for you. It's going to break you. It's going to separate you from me. So just stay away from it. But here's the thing. When we get commanded to do something, people get to thinking. And I'm people and you're people, right? We get to thinking sometimes. We can read the commands we can read all the words of Scripture. We can hear God's very voice speaking to us, but we get to thinking. We get to thinking, what does God know about us? Maybe we know better than God how we should act and what we should do. So, you know the story representing all of us. Eve takes the fruit, takes a bite out of it, hands it to Adam, who's a guy. And immediately, immediately, if you watch that story in Genesis 3, immediately they know that they're in the wrong. They know they're in the wrong. And that's why they turn salad into jogging sweats, right? Because they know how wrong they are immediately. Stepping out of the threshold of the five and ten store downtown therein. Even before that horn, that horn honked, I knew. I knew I had walked out of Eden. I had deliberately, purposely done what was exactly wrong. I knew it. There weren't any fig fig leaves for me to pick up, but I was covered in shame. Adam and Eve, like little Mike Morgan knew something very important. Our own choices, no, nobody pushing us, our own choices took us away from the path that God had given for us. And they had taken us to a very bad place. And that place is known as sin. Simple word. So when we ask the question, does anybody really need Christmas? The answer is yes. Yes, we all do. And it's because of that. We, we need Christmas because, I, because we, and I include you in all that, have broken ranks with God. We've taken a run on our own volition. We have sinned. And though we don't want to talk it about on, on Christmas Eve, I mean, seriously, Pastor Mike, Christmas Eve, talking about sin, how are you going to build a crowd? I'm like, you're already here. <laughs> so you're the ones we need to speak to. And I'm the one that needs to hear this as well. We don't want to talk about it on Christmas Eve. Because it's true. Because the human heart rebels, and every one of us has a human heart. And some of you have been rebelling even since you got in this room. But since the human heart rebels, every single day, we desperately, we desperately need Christmas. We absolutely need. Need Christmas if humanity, and that's that's you and me, that's all of us. If we had trusted God, if we had trusted God's way, if we had trusted God to determine what is good and bad, what is right for us, what's more healthy and wholesome and useful for us, we wouldn't need Christmas. But we haven't, and so we do. Khalil Gibran wrote a number of works. You probably know the prophet. But he, in one of his works called Sahara, he talks about the ethic of the caravan. The ethic of the caravan that's traveling across the Sahara Desert is that they have to stay together. Not only do they have to travel together, but they have to act and live together. They have to follow the rules together. So if you steal someone something from someone else on the caravan, if you uh, encroach upon them, if you get in a fight with someone on the caravan... There's punishment. And it is swift and it is harsh. The punishment is not to beat you to death. It's not to put you in shackles. If you break covenant with, with, with the caravan, what happens is you're separated from it. And you're forced to go across the desert alone. Now being in the desert alone, you are in great peril. It is almost facing certain death. A sentence that you've written yourself. See, Christmas is the opposite of that. Christmas is the opposite of getting sent out. Christmas is the opposite of a story of expulsion. It's a story of rescue. You understand that? Christmas is a story not of expulsion, but of rescue. It's coming to get us. I, some of you are going to have to Google this, but... Others of us have got enough gray hair to remember baby Jessica. Do any of you remember baby Jessica? A little Methodist nod for some of you? All right. Jessica McClure, that's her name, so when you Google it later, 1987, she was eight months old. She was crawling around her backyard, little baby. Parents were out there. It wasn't like she was left alone. And she fell in to what's called a well casing. About an eight-inch pipe. Slid down there 22 feet. Head down. This got to the news. Of course, parents were crying and doing, you know, the news conference they do. And it seemed like all of Texas and some of the surrounding states emptied out. Everybody with a shovel, anybody with a backhoe, anybody with any engineering skill headed to this backyard in Texas where this little girl had slid down 22 feet into a tube. Now, what they knew wouldn't work, they knew that they couldn't just shout advice to her. You'll be fine. Just back up. Crawl your way back up. They knew they couldn't just drop a rope to her and have her tie a bowline around her uh, waist and climb up. Because she's eight months old. What they knew was they couldn't be just like rush into this. They couldn't just grab the pipe and pull it out. They couldn't just start digging randomly. No. So all these engineers, all these scientists, all these people that can take a backhoe and just pull a dime right out of your hand without hitting you. Converged on this place. And they engineered a method. What they decided was they were going to bore a hole a handful of feet away from her straight down to about 30 feet in depth. And then they were going to put a digger down there. They were going to put a person down there with a a slow-moving machine that could dig right over to below her, create a cavity, and let her on down. 58 hours, Jessica McClure was in that pipe. But what the people with expertise knew, what the people that were running the tools knew, was that she couldn't save herself, so they went to her. They went down to where she was, they rescued her, brought her up, and reunited her with her family. Now, don't make this hard. You get the tide of Christmas, right? We can't save ourselves either. We can't get ourselves out of the Uh, out of the shackles, out of the place that we've gotten stuck in by ourselves. Don't complicate it. Christmas is about God coming in Jesus Christ to rescue those who need a rescue. They call this the condescension of God, where God comes down to rescue us. He comes in Jesus Christ. You, You heard that read to you today. He has all the expertise. He has all the injury it needs. He doesn't ask us even to do any of the work. He comes to the place where where we are trapped, and he leads us out. He takes us to safety. He takes us to, to a place where we can be redeemed of our sins and made whole and brand new. He does it all. So when the question's asked, does anyone really need Christmas? The answer is, oh yeah, we all do, because we all need a rescue. We all need to be saved. Now, I've said this before because I believe it to be true, even going back to the balloon thing. I think the greatest need of humanity, of every human being, individual human being, so I'm talking, I pray to your heart, I think our greatest need is to be fully and completely forgiven. We know who we are. We know the level of imperfection that we carry in our lives, and we can see the level of perfection that God has. And to be fully and completely forgiven, this is a wonderful thing. If that's ever happened to you, if it's ever come to you, to be fully and completely forgiven of something that you know you've done wrong, it's a magnificent thing. And here's the Lord Jesus Christ telling us, his very name, Jesus, means the Lord saves. His very presence with us means that he comes to save us, to make us whole, to give us a rich, vibrant, new and exciting life. This is the rescue we get. The rescue we get like that allows us to say with like deep joy in our heart, Merry Christmas, we can cry that out, Merry Christmas, and and do it over and over. And, and one more thing, one more thing. Christ has come to rescue us, this is true. But there's a huge difference between Christ and the rescuers of that little girl in Texas. You see, because when little Jessica McClure was rescued, you know what all the rescuers did? They packed up their backhoes, they took their augers, they took their shovels, they took their computers, they got in their vehicles, and they went home. And they left ba- baby Jessica in relatively the same place that she was. See, Jesus does not leave those he rescues. He stays with those he rescues. He lives among those he rescues. See, we're not just rescued I mean, Christmas is not just about the rescue. We're not just rescued. We're restored to unity with God. We're not just pulled from the pit we put ourselves in. We're drawn all the way up to be beside the Lord Jesus Christ, and we have the opportunity to return to Eden, to be at one with God. We have that opportunity given to us. That's the Christmas we need. The restoration to unity with God. So, heck yeah, let's sing the songs. Let's light us some candles. Let's be overwhelmed with joy because the Christmas we need is here in Jesus Christ. Does anyone need Christmas? Oh yeah. And the really, 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 really good news is that we get one. We need a Christmas And God gives us one. That's the way. And that's the reason I can say to you all, Merry Christmas. It's awesome. Because God comes. He rescues. And he restores. Let's pray. God, we thank you for Christmas. Jesus, we thank you for the Christmas that you give us today in your son Jesus. We've come from a lot of places. Some of us came because we love this church and we're seeking to walk with you day by day in discipleship. Some of us came because... We're near you a little bit, but we know we need to be nearer to you. Some of us came because it's one of our family traditions, and some of us came just because someone that we love a lot asked and desired us to come. So here we are, God, and we thank you. We thank you that you came not to throw us out, not to expel us because we've drifted away from you, but rather to rescue us, rather than casting us off because we chose our own way, not yours. You have come to save and guide us on a path that leads to oneness with you, and Lord God, we desire that, oh Lord God, we need Christmas, and so for Christmas, God, we offer you praise and honor and glory. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So since the beginning of Christendom, since Christians started to meet, way before even I was alive, Tyler, way before that, a long time ago. Christians have always gathered up what God had given them, their own resources, and sought to offer it to God, both for the building up of the kingdom of God, the temple, and of course to help other human beings. Tonight we take an offering in that vein. Tonight's offering will benefit the Christmas offering, which is the Friendship Fund at Marion Methodist Church. The Friendship Fund is used on your behalf by the ministry staff of Marion Methodist, To help people in our area with things like groceries, utilities, buying boots for work, bus passes, motel room, even a few car repairs. All these things have happened in the past year. And on your behalf, we have distributed a little bit north of $23,000 to people in our community that just needed a little bit of help up. So praise the Lord that all came out of last year's Christmas offering. So as our community grows, now reaching towards 40,000 human beings in Marion, and of course we reach into a couple of the neighborhoods adjacent to us in Cedar Rapids, so does the need. As the city grows, so does the need. So if you desire your offering to go to the Friendship Fund, when you put it in an envelope today, write the word Christmas on it, and it will get directed there. If you, if you just brought your annual tithe or you just want to give something to the church, all the rest of the money that doesn't say Christmas on it will go uh, to the church. But this is a moment where you can give and give joyfully, gleefully to those that are least of God's children in need. So without apologies, without any hesitation, I ask our ushers to come take our evening's offering.